All right, Shano, thank you so much for, for joining us. Yeah. Appreciate thank, you. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here with you guys. You're, you're at the top of our list um, right below Bad Girl Riri. And uh, <laughs> Alex is like, you got to ask Shano. And I was That's like. That's a great short list right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our whole list. <laughs> Alex is like, you got to ask Shano. I was like, I don't know. I listened to his Joe Rogan podcast. He said he won't do anyone's podcast. <laughs> so, but then you ended up reaching out to me, and so it was like perfect. Yeah, I know. I'm psyched to be here with you guys. No worries. Yeah. So, um, you guys are you and Jackson are kind of living on the North Shore right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna be here for like three months, maybe four months. Um, my son Jackson, he's 16, so he's just fired up on surfing and living the beach life and. He's got his own bike and his own bike rack and his boards and his food and his friends and his phone and kind of doesn't <laughs> need anything else. The North Shore <laughs> independence. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Like the North Shore kind of, I don't know, I feel like when I was a kid growing up, I, I actually moved to the North Shore when I was just starting high school and I had a shitty car and I lived far from this area on the North Shore and I, um, I don't know, just being able to like roll out of bed, do your schoolwork online grab your board, throw in your bike rack, and go surfing with your buddies. I, I mean, I, I, I guess it's, it's really similar to what I had, but he's got it good. Like th This next generation of kids growing up here are stoked. Do you think they have a little too good? For know? sure, 100%. Because I look at someone like you, like, you are, like, this kind of alpha male, oh, just oh. like, I mean, <laughs> this, like, you know, this person that we look up to who has so much character, and, like, I'm looking <clears throat> at the next generation, even us, like, does that, like, what does it create to, I don't know, become you, I guess, in a way? Like, what factors do you think were really important that you'd want to share with the next generation? Is it, like, your friend group, or is it facing your fears, or, like, what? I just kind of want to get right into it and hear, like, what advice would you kind of give to the next generation? Oh, wow. That's a, we're really getting into it right away. Yeah. <laughs> no warm-up. Straight into the weeds. Yeah. Um, Honestly, that is like something that perplexes me all the time. And I spend probably way too much time thinking about that. I'm a parent, so I'm like hyper aware that the next generation is just soft and weak. And that sounds terrible. But just in general, like we're, we're like everything in our lives is like building us to become like, I don't know, without without sounding like really like negative, but like even just the phone and just scrolling all the time and like always, I don't know, like when, when back when I grew up, <laughs> you know, had to walk uphill both ways to school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely something that I worry about with the kids growing up today. They have it for, for one so good. And so everything's so convenient and, and they all whinge about everything. We all whinge about everything. Hmm. Just, humans in western civilization i feel like we always like tend to point out what's wrong instead of what's right and what's good there's so much good around us like it's never been easier it's never been more we human beings have never been more comfortable in our lives in human history and i i feel like that's not necessarily a good thing and it's trippy too because i feel like modern civilization has like the most problems almost in a weird way like everyone's like or not everyone but there's a lot of people on like prescription drugs and different things like that and it's just kind of trippy like it seems like it's good to have those challenges in life because it makes you more diverse and stronger 
and it seems like you can withstand more or something like that, you know? Like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Do you kind of have to actively like seek those challenges now? Like, just first thing that comes to mind is like surfing jaws. Like, you don't have to do that. I mean, that's crazy. You could die any minute out there. So, I don't know. Like, I wonder, this is like the million dollar question. Like, what, what is it that creates the character? I mean, and why would you do something like surf jaws, for instance? That's a that's a really easy um, easy question to answer, and it really comes down to, you know, I I think the biggest thing is just getting out of our comfort zone. Mm. I feel like nothing good comes from being comfortable. Nothing. Mm. So, I think that kind of goes back to, and I I don't want to only use myself as an example, but it, it's my perspective. So, just to put it in perspective, like when I was fourteen. I had a crazy. I had a couple friends that were all living here on the North Shore, and they all were like, "I started hanging out with them. I would come over here for contests every now and then to Oahu. Um, I, um, I'm from Kona on the Big Island, so I would fly over here every now and then and I hang out with these kids that were growing up here, and they're all my age. And they're like, "We're going to be pro surfers," and I was like, "What? I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know that was an option. Mm. There, like, there were no pro surfers where I lived. Period." No one, no one even came to visit where I live as a pro surfer, <laughs> let crazy. alone lived where I live. Um, there was no path to becoming a pro surfer. There was no example. There was no precedent from where I lived. And here, when I was visiting here, I was like, pro surfers everywhere. I was like, wow. And so, th you know, they grew up with a completely different perspective of like, wow, this is like a path. These people are everywhere. This is the, the goal and it's attainable. And so I was like around my friends, like, wow, really? You guys are going to do this? If you guys can do it, I want to do it. So I made it my goal to move to the North Shore. Long story short, somehow convinced my mom, who was super strict, um, that I wanted to move to the North Shore by myself, live with my really good friend, Jason Magalanis, who you guys know. Mm -hmm. His dad shaped my surfboards at the time. So I ended up moving here when I was 15. When I was 15, you could get your driver's license in Hawaii back in the day. And so I had... A sh I had a job being a busboy when I was 14 and 15, and I saved up my money, bought myself a shitty little rabbit, a little Volkswagen rabbit, shipped it, shipped it with my own money to Oahu, flew to Oahu, um, lied to the school. My mom also lied to the school, telling, her, telling them she was going to move here with me. I was just coming early. <laughs> she was going to wrap up things at home and then move here with me. And I was going to go to school at Wailua High School. It's kind of a long story, I guess. But um, I think it's interesting. And so I flew over. I took a taxi to where like my, like my, like my car was coming in. Then drove to the surfboard factory. Totally by myself. 15-year-old kid. Like all scared. Didn't know what I was doing. Grabbed my surfboards from HIC. And then drove over here by myself. The waves were like 18 to 20 feet that day. Met, met my friend Jason, who I was going to live with, and then drove to Waimea Bay with my biggest board, and Jason, my friend Ross Williams, and a couple other friends all wanted to surf Waimea. The waves were huge. I was terrified. I first was, day. First right day. Right into it. First day. And I was like, I was a kid from Kona. The waves, the, the, uh, like a big swell in Kona is like a little bit overhead. It's like mm -hmm. California kind of thing. So I was terrified. I didn't know what to do, where to sit. I wanted to stay on the beach. My friends like said, let's, let's go out and surf. Let's, let's go. Like you're not staying on the beach. You have no choice. So 
I don't know. It was like these days when kids come over here, like a team manager picks them up. They have a, a plane ticket. They they have like a, a minder or a handler picking them up at the at the airport, whisking them over here to the North Shore, putting them up at a team house. A lot of times, um, the fridge is full with food. They go to they go to Foodland and get their candy and. They got e-bikes. They got e-bikes. Just <laughs> it's just a totally different landscape, a different environment that kids are growing up with these days, and I feel like it makes it hard on them. Honestly, like it's so easy that it's hard to build character, um, and so I have a theory about this. Sorry, I'm gonna go off on a tangent. Just Let's tangent on. I love it. It's. I feel like kids have it so easy that it's hard to have any like discipline or any like real desire or real passion to do things these days you meet so many kids with like no passion mm. um and yet at the same time it's never been easier to stand out mm. like when i was a kid you had to work so damn hard to like rise to the top of your age group like especially in surfing like everyone is just grinding working so hard like so so hard and these days i feel like so many kids are pretty damn lazy so it's actually easy to, if you're willing to work really hard in your suit, like the, the kids that are disciplined, super self-motivated, don't make any excuses, um, and have the right mindset. I feel like it's just, they really stand out, you know, mm. but yeah, maybe that explains a little bit of the rise of the Brazilian storm. Basically. I mean, these guys sure. seem like they're, they're so hungry and they work so hard. And do you think that that's kind of what helped, help them sort of dominate right now? No doubt. I mean, ha having having adversity in your life is is um, I mean, it's the secret sauce, you know, and that's it's probably why I don't know. As a parent, it's so it's so conflicting as a parent, you know, because you know that. Like I know that because I had so much adversity in my life, made me who I am. Same with like Adriana de Souza or like a um, Felipe Toledo or like a lot of these guys from Brazil grow up with like the craziest burning desire to succeed because if they don't, the alternative is like not good at all. Right. It's mm. like poverty and really hard life. Mm. So it's like, they're really living their dream. Truly. Maybe there needs to be like a Navy SEAL training program here on the North shore <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> North shore, right, right North shore boot camp. <laughs> Couple of boys. North shore boot camp. You get canceled. If you're doing that. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's like uh, Kahia has a North Shore boot camp. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah well, you're, you're saying that it's like so easy to stand out right now, but I think because it's also so easy, and I experience this with social media and with the YouTube channel, um, you feel like you're standing out. So like by starting this podcast, by being consistent with social media and standing up for what I believe, you get like a lot of hate and a lot of like people pressing against you. They're like, what are you doing? Like kind of... You're, you're being too loud or whatever. And I think that um, going along the lines of like, life is so so easy for us, but, but everything is hard. Like you w training and meditating and like going through those things that make you strong and build those resilience, I feel like are getting less and less because gra instant gratification is just so easy for us, you know? No doubt. And I, I, think, I think that's a good point that you bring up, Cole, like, like nowadays, like nowadays, like back back in the day, you you didn't have to choose something hard. It was hard. Mm -hmm. Now you have to choose something hard. Like starting a YouTube channel, it's freaking hard. Mm. It sounds easy. It's it's easy to start one, but to have a successful one is really hard. Yeah, you really got to work your ass off for that. 
you have to have super you have to be super disciplined really consistent like passionate bring a lot of creativity and energy to it and it, it's very hard but you're choosing that every day every week every month on a consistent basis same with like training whether it's physical or psychological or mental whatever it is like you got to choose that heart that that heart in your life in, in order to like you know i don't know i feel like it's that's 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 a full rip off of David of um, of um, David Goggins. He always says that you got to choose your heart, mm, and I yeah. feel like that's super true these days. Yeah, with with like getting um, get, getting more comfortable with big wave surfing, I feel like that's kind of what you're doing as well. Because you're like you're starting small. Here's your threshold, and then you know that you want to, but you're too afraid, and then you keep pushing that until your levels are like you're surfing Jaws or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a process, right? But it's like it, that you don't... Everybody sees Billy Kemper at Jaws and is like, wow, how could he possibly do that? That's crazy. Like how this guy's like a mythical character who surfs Jaws. They don't see like the Billy Kemper when he was like 14, 15, grinding it out at Hokipa, surfing small Hokipa, then medium Hokipa, and then a little bit bigger Hokipa, and then closed out Hokipa, and <laughs> yeah. then coming to the North Shore and getting pounded over here and like surfing a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and getting that that bar slightly higher season after season and then mm-hmm. you know everybody sees like they see the final result right you don't see the process and the grind i feel like he put in so much time and grind to get where he is so much respect to him it's freaking crazy um what was it like because you were you were were you the first person to paddle jaws no i wasn't <laughs> i feel like I mean, you're among the first people to, like, that new wave of big wave surfers. Yeah, I was definitely very early. I was part of a pretty small crew that was really the first to paddle surf it legit big. Mm-hmm. And that was before the inflation vest, Yeah. Though. Gosh, yeah. that must have been scary. It was what, really scary. So gnarly. What made you yeah. think you could do it? Were you watching it and you are just like, I maybe could catch it right there, like... Yeah, I mean, we always kind of, I mean, I grew, you know, I, I spent a lot of time towing Jaws when I was younger. Um, it was never my favorite thing, but it was, the wave is so incredible, you know, mm. that it was like really exciting to go over there. And, but it was such a shit show. It was so many people and skis and chaos and so hectic. I really didn't like that experience. But whenever I was there, I would look at the wave and then I would watch footage of like toe surfing footage. And me and Ian Walsh used to always like, watch toe surfing footage and be like, dude, you could chip in right there. Oh my god. Chip into that thing. <laughs> on big ones like on like twenty five footers. And we'd be like, if you really want it, you can ride that wave. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like a ten oh or we didn't even know what size. Um and so I was like, dude, I'm gonna have a big board made for Jaws. And I was talking to Ian about it and we had big boards made and then that season, at the very end of the season, um like we were totally ready to go. We kind of like made our decision and there was a couple of really good days right at the end of the season. And so we just kind of paddled out there in the morning and oh just, my gosh. it was crazy. I remember the first time I ever paddled it, I was with Ian, Greg Long, um, a couple other guys and it was pretty big. It was like 25 feet. There was like probably five or six tow teams or 10 tow teams out. It was really early in the morning. And Ian Walsh and I, like, jumped off the ski with, like, a paddle board for the first time after, like, towing it for a long time, right? And it was, like, so surreal. And I remember, like, 
telling Ian, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna paddle, kind of sit on the shoulder and like watch these guys like tow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like I paddled out to like the corner bowl, and like there was no sets, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I kind of like drifted a little bit, and I like looked in, and I was like, dude, I'm kind of the skis are kind of far away. <laughs> So I'm like, shit, I, I think I'm kind of in the zone. So I paddled out just a tiny bit, and all of a sudden, just like, I heard a bunch of whistles coming from the boat. <laughs> oh, and, no. and I was like, oh, shit. And it's, I seen this huge set coming, and I was like, full on, like, heart just started racing. I had no idea whether I was like totally in the spot or like gonna get killed or what. I didn't know if I was like right in the impact zone or like a mile out to sea. You know, it's such a big playing field there. I remember uh, there was a guy that was getting towed in. For, I, I, like, I went over the first wave. The next wave was a huge one, like mm. a proper giant wave out there. And, and the guy was towing in, and it, the wave was just feathering, coming in, and it was a bomb, like a big northwest one. And he sees me, and he, he goes, go, you're good. <laughs> and he kicks out. <laughs> Oh my god. Like I didn't even make a move for the wave. I just like saw it. And he's like, No, 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 sorry, you got it. <laughs> like kinda like that, because he didn't he didn't want to like ride through like where I was gonna paddle. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> what do I do? And then like I kinda turned around and I went, Well, I kind of feel like I'm in the spot. And I turned around and I just put my head down and like started trying to paddle as hard as I could. And next thing I know, I was like, I think I'm fully in the spot, and I just committed and the first wave, that was my first wave ever out there. It was one of the biggest waves I've ever caught. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. gosh. yeah, it was a bomb. And I kind of got like a full killer pocket ride barrel on it. Wow. No way. Yeah. What was Ian thinking in the channel? He was tripping. He's like, dude, I thought you were just going to like watch it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, probably a little jealous. Too. It was yeah. kind of <laughs> unintentional, but like it, it, when, the, when you're sure, you know, it's like pipeline. Like when you paddle out to those kind of waves, like you just kind of have to go with your instincts mm-hmm. and like kind of rely on all your experience and all of the thousands of hours we've all put in the ocean and it's like when you're feeling it you got to kind of just go with the flow and i feel like with giant waves my 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 thesis has always been like to put yourself in the right position and then position yourself where the wave that you want is going to come in and then when it does like you fully paddle your hardest for it and if it wants you to catch it it'll let you know mm. And I feel like I I always had that theory at Jaws where I was like, I'm going to put myself in there right where where the wave I want is going to break. And when it comes in, I'm not going to paddle out over it. I'm going to try to paddle for it. And if it wants me to catch it, I'm going. (laughs) That is a nuts mindset. Yeah, I I remember I was out there a couple times with you. And there's some people out there that, like, I feel like don't really want to be out there. And I think I was kind of one of those people. Like, I just wanted to, like, check it out. And then you are, like in the spot and you're so focused you're not like necessarily um having like long conversations with people it seems like you're out there like picturing the wave that you want to come in and as soon as you see it you're just like 100 percent going so sick yeah that's exactly what it is i mean otherwise like you're right there's like a line between you're either out there to like have a look Mm-hmm. Or you're out there to get the wave of your life. Mm, there's no, yeah. there's no, there's no gray area at mm-hmm. all. You know, it's like the same as exact thing as pipeline. You know what I mean? Totally. You get these, you get like the like the dynamic of pipeline. You get like a, maybe like a dozen guys on a really good day who like are dead serious. Yeah, they really want the wave of their life. Mm-hmm. And when it comes in, they're gonna put themselves in the spot. And when that wave comes in and they're in the spot, they're not even gonna hesitate at all. 
And that's like same thing as like Billy Kemper, Ian Walsh, Kai Lenny, like those guys out of Jaws that are like that. Like when their wave, when that wave comes in, they're just like, that's all that matters, you know? You yeah. Know? I mean, I saw some of those waves come in and I was like, you, you guys are going on this wave? Like, this is possible? You're going on this thing? Don't go. Don't go. <laughs> How weird is it when it's, you're on the other side of the line? So When you're crazy. on the other side of like that mindset where you're like, ah, I'm kind of just having a look. And you realize that those guys are on the other side. Yeah. And you see that wave come in and you see a guy turn around at the bottom of the wave and just start head down. It's so gnarly or like a big chopo or something. And you're, yeah. if you're like, I've been out of big chopo where I was, I'm like, oh, I'll just like catch like the medium ones or whatever. And that mindset. And then a giant one comes and you see a guy just like Matahi or something, just like turn around at the bottom of the wave. And mm. you're just like, what? yeah, 110% commitment. Yeah. He's going. Yeah. How, so, it, how especially like, yeah. sorry, especially yeah, yeah. fascinating when you yeah. know that the guy paddling knows there's like a really high chance he's about to eat shit. Yeah. And <laughs> still commits. Like that's yeah. so nuts. How do you compare like the scariness level of like Jaws or like Pipeline or Chopo and like how how are they different? I mean, they're very, they're very, they, you know, they have a lot of similarities in there. The fear factor is there with all three. Mm. Uh, um, the like level of commitment is there with all three when they're yeah. big and intense. There's, it's 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 hard to overstate the commitment you need for like a really serious one at Jaws. Yeah, I feel like that's like a, another click almost. It's almost like a different sport in a way, you know. Like yeah. you have such big crafts and you're just like so much water moving. And Especially like, like there's like a, a and this, it, the same can be said for for Chopo. Yeah, like the really big ones at Chopo that have like six or eight people have caught that's that same yeah that's that same next click up yeah i feel like that one like that twiggy got at jaws was so next level like mm. mentally psychologically to like put yourself there and then like the one that nathan caught at chopo and mm. a couple of those ones that matagi caught yeah even the one that noah beshin caught this year yeah gargantuan Super crazy there's yeah. such hell mary moments it's just like you're committing a hundred percent and yeah. like, it's hard to even find those moments in life and for you to do that when a 50 wave foot 50 foot wave is coming that's insane are you just blacking out and just going or like you know you're in your spot that you want to be in that's your wave what's going through your mind in that hell mary moment of commitment i think you black out black out <laughs> yeah you don't. You can't think too much. Like the, the thinking is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. The last, the worst thing you can ever do is be like second guessing something. Like, oh, maybe it's not the one, or maybe maybe my wax isn't good enough. Maybe 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 <laughs> yeah. I maybe I have a little bit of phlegm stuck in my throat mm. from the my sickness I'm just getting over. Yeah, yeah. It just has to be like clear and blank, mm. and like this is it. This is the this is my moment. Yeah. Um, what about when when you're getting caught inside by like a big wave? Because I feel like at Jaws, that's one thing I noticed was you get caught inside out there, and it's such an interesting one because you see that wall, and it's like the biggest blackest wall you've ever seen, and you're paddling because you think you might make it. Your heart rate's going up. Like how? What's maybe like your your mindset or like your breathing pattern that um, gets you ready for Sparta? <laughs> I mean, I always, I kind of have like a breathing, like, um, kind of like a breathing, um, not a strategy, but my, I have like a breathing, um, cycle that I do basically like nose breathing whenever I'm 
whenever I'm waiting for a wave or paddling back out, I'm always like nose breathing because that'll like lower your heart rate as much as possible. Mm. That's what you want to do. You want like the lower your heart rate can be, the longer you can hold your breath. So I'm, I'm always trying to like keep my heart rate as low as possible. So the more, the more excited you get, the faster your heart rate goes and the, and the, and the, the, the shorter you'll be able to hold your breath. But sometimes there's like those terror moments where you can't control their heart rate, you know? Mm. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, trying to control your heart rate through your breath. Um, so I've done a lot of work with that and stuff, but there was, there's been some moments though, where it is like sheer terror. Like a lot of times I'm getting pounded at jaws and I'm like, I know I'm going to survive. I know it. Even on the giant waves coming in and I'm about to wear it on the head. I'm so excited and fired up. And I'm like, this is what I've been training for. Like wow. mentally you're like, this is it. Let's go. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing Nathan Fletcher saying that he looks forward to his biggest, best wipeouts. And that was such a cool way of looking at it. It's like, actually looking forward to a crazy moment and embracing it rather than being like, I'm going to die. Be like, I'm probably going to live through this. So might as well just like embrace it and be in the moment. Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah. For for the most part, like 90% of the time I, I kind of like embrace, I fully, I definitely embrace the the wipeouts and embrace. I know it's part of the process and part of paying your dues. If you want a really good one, you're going to, you're going to have to pay for it. But there's, there's a couple of, there are a couple situations out of there at Jaws where I can remember just being like full sheer terror. I remember one day it was giant and it was before like one of the first Jaws events I ever surfed out there. And I was paddling for this wave and I was like, this wave is mine. I got this thing and I was so committed. And Dave Wassel was paddling for it too. And I'm like, he's not going on this wave. I'm just going to commit to this. He was like a little further out than me and slightly deeper than me. <laughs> And I thought he was too far out. I'm like, he's not going to get it. He's not going to go. He's, he's going to be too far out. He's going to get hung up at the top. And I'm going to be like in it and going to go no matter what. And so I'm like completely committed. I'm literally standing up and I hear this, oh, and I look and Wassel's just oh, no. free falling right. behind me. <laughs> like already, like getting to his feet and going. And I was like, oh, shit. And I like almost went over and... I think my board even went down. I like bailed and I almost got sucked over the falls, but I got sucked in. Mm. Like I was like, I was like grabbing my leash and pulling it. I didn't want to, to, I didn't want to hurt Wassel. He was on the wave. And I was like, so I was trying to get my board back up and I get my board and I'm like kind of getting sucked in and I turn around. There's like a 50 footer, like a no joke, like a straight toe wave. No, not a single person paddled for it. Oh Oh my God. And I was like fully, fully in the impact zone and i remember turning around just going okay like there's if i mess this up i'm dead Mm. no two ways about it this wave will drown me and i knew that like the moment i saw it and i remember turning around and i just did my breathe up and i just went i have to freaking go under super early and i just like breathed up as fast as i possibly could and went under like really early and just started swimming down and then the lip hit like right kind of in front of where I was swimming down, but like I swam so deep, but I had to swim so deep that I had to go, I was trying to go under the curve of the wave and back up Mm. and not get sucked over. And I took my leash off and everything. I was just really terrified, especially because um, I had no flotation. I uh, I had no leash. I took my leash off. And 
So you're just swimming. Like you're going oh for a gosh. swim in a pool. <laughs> Body surfing. But it's like a 50-foot <laughs> barrel. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, if I get sucked over, I have no leash to climb. No wow. board's going to save me. No one's going to come find me. And what, you made it under it? I made it under it. No, oh my Were God. your eyes open? Did you see the lip impact? No, I just underwater? was swimming as fast as I possibly could to try and get out of... I was thinking, okay, this lip is going to b- break through the surface and go like 20 feet down. Yeah. So I was like popping my ears trying to get... As, as I was trying to get to like 20 feet down. Wow. And then I just swam, swam, swam. And it went boom, boom, like crazy explosion oh. above me. But I was so deep that I went... I basically went underneath the lip and... And I came up. It took me so long. Thank God there wasn't another wave. Mm-hmm. I would have been toast because I came up so late. I probably mm. would have got it right on the head. Um, I, probably, I was probably underwater for like 25 seconds. Wow. Because it took me that long to swim down. And then I had to swim all the way back up. Must have felt like five minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. That's that same gnarly. thing happened to me out of Outer Reef here on the North Shore where I was towing. And I lost my board. I had to kick out as a closeout. I was with Larry Haynes, and he towed me into this giant closeout outside Alligators. Giant. And it's a straight closeout, and he straightened out on the ski. And so I kick out. My, my board's gone, and the next one's a massive apexing thing. Same exact thing happened. I no, uh, like a thin flotation vest and no leash, no board, nothing. And, man, those, those moments are like really like clear things up for your thinking though <laughs> you really get to know who you are yeah i've never thought about that usually i like just kind of stare at it and i'm like oh my god here i go and then i just go down like a little bit and just get so obliterated and just thrown into the air i'll remember that one next time <laughs> well the strategy is different depending on where the lips are going to hit you know what i mean if you're for if sure. you're caught inside caught inside then yeah Definitely. I do the same. Mm-hmm. I sit right next to the surface and get annihilated because um, there's not a whole lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you think you can swim through it, you know, and beat the lip, that's different, right? So, yeah. Um, so do you feel like you're still in that mindset? Or are you like kind of, have you kind of like stopped big wave surfing? I'm definitely not in that mindset at all, for sure. And that was always my plan to not be in that mindset. Like I'm 50. I just turned 50 like... I don't know, four months ago or something like that. And um, it was always my thought that I was going to be completely done surfing really big waves by the time I was like 45. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was like a really good, responsible age. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, then the last few years, I've just been kind of kind of taking it easy, surfing as much as I possibly can still. And I love surfing. Like, I love surfing big waves, honestly. Um, my, mind's, my mindset is still totally there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like I feel like there's a responsibility I have to my family and to my kids and mm. and to my age. Like 50 years old is 50 years old. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you train. doesn't matter how tough you are or whatever. Like there's – as you get older, there's there's a reason that like people are in their the primes when they're like 20 and 30 and 35 and 40. Like there's, there's, there's a <laughs> – like – that's that's nature that's, that's yeah. it is what it is you know so i feel like i'm doing the right thing by by being happy with how hard i went for so long for sure yeah 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 what? with 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 that feeling you get from dedicating your life to the big wave surfing to surfing and getting that adrenaline uh, i feel like a lot of people have a hard time stepping away from that because it's like nothing else really makes you feel like that was that was that a hard step away? And have you been able to find 
a similar feeling in other aspects of your life? It wasn't that hard to to step away um, to answer your first question. And no, I haven't found anything like it because there's nothing else like it. Mm. Like, you guys know, like, like, if you stop surfing pipeline and those kind of waves, like, that's gone. There's no, there's no other part of life that's like that. Yeah. Zero. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. To those listening who don't surf pipeline or something like that, like it's surfing is it's similar. Like it's it's not the same, but surfing just in general, there's nothing like surfing really. You know what I mean? Like I love to snowboard, but surfing is like totally different. Like from your soul aspect and like how like joy and de stress and happiness aspect. Like yeah. surfing. Like, just simple, like, I'm going to throw my surf trunks, grab my surfboard, and paddle out there and surf with my buddies or surf with nobody. And, like, you just cannot replace that in life if you lose surfing or you don't have that. So, Mm. but big wave surfing, I'm happy that it's in the rearview mirror. (laughs) I am. Because it is stressful. It's really stressful. Stressful for my wife, too. She never really said anything while I was surfing big waves. She never, ever questioned it or raised concerns or said, don't go. Um, but now looking back, she tells me all the time. She's like, you have no idea what I went through. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. It, yeah. It'd be like your, your partner going to war or something, yeah. you know, it's pretty, pretty yeah. serious. Every time. Yeah. And yeah. there's so much that like you're bored, your, your fins, one little thing hits you, you're done. Yeah. I had a couple really close calls too, you know, that I look back on and I'm just like, I'm happy that that's not. That's not happening anymore. So, yeah. have you had a uh, one that you've like almost, almost died? Yeah, I've had two, but I almost died. Had one when I was nineteen out at an outer reef here on Oahu. Um, that was horrible. Um, I was under for two waves and and um, lost consciousness, and came up after the whole set. Weird, surreal experience. Hard to explain without sounding cosmic. Um, you can get, get cosmic. cosmic. <laughs> 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 Please. And then I had one at Mavericks um, soon after my son was born. And it was, I think it was on my wife's birthday. And, um, and the same thing. I was under for two waves. And I, I was under, I got... I went on this wave, hit a bump, went over the handlebars, got sucked over the falls, was under, hit the reef, got smat, like pressed on the reef at Mavericks. Mm. And, um, and then I started, I was trying to fight and swim up and I was underwater for so long. You know, when you're holding your breath for a super long time and you start getting those like involuntary, um, contractions. Yeah. In your Mm. throat. Mm. Mm. And it's like your brain is telling you to breathe. You need, yeah. You're going to die if you don't breathe. That, that does that involuntary thing. And uh, it was doing that. Um, as I was swimming, I remember it was, I was trying not to focus on that, and I was trying to get to the surface, and I was like 10 feet from the surface, and the next wave broke right on my head, and it was like a giant, giant wave of Mavericks. Um, there's a video of my board tombstoning, and then next wave is like a 50-foot face and like barrels right oh, on top of it. Oh and I'm gosh. just like this as it's barreling. Oh, my and I'm underwater, like trying to swim up. Oh. And um, I, when it broke, it flexed me right. It like pushed me straight back to the reef. And I was already out of breath. Oh like I was gosh. fully needing to get breath right then. And like 
by some miracle, straight up miracle, feels like um, I got to the surface before blacking out, just barely. Um, I had a really bad concussion from that one for like four days. Just felt like I was like gone. Totally forgot it was my wife's birthday. Totally forgot to call her, like all this stuff. You just blamed it on the concussion, huh? (laughs) I didn't even tell her about that either. I was just, she was just like, what? This guy is like forgetting my birthday. Like she was like, Whoa. Yeah. It's heavy. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a crazy situation, but but yeah. Were you wearing a flotation for that one? I wasn't. No. That was actually the catalyst to um, wanting to to design something. Yeah, because you helped bring that into surfing, right? Yeah. Yeah, because did you inspire, you found inspiration from like snow and ski and stuff? Kind of. Kind of. Kind of, but it was that particular wipeout. Yeah. So like... So the next day I was at San Francisco airport on the plane and I remember thinking I can't surf big waves anymore. It's way too dangerous. Like I'm, I can't, can't put myself in that position. Like yeah. I got little kids and my wife and what am I going to do? Like, geez, I, I don't How can I stop surfing big waves? But this is just way too dangerous. I literally almost died. Mm-hmm. And I, and the, I was sitting there like looking out the window and they started doing the safety briefing. And I like looked up and the lady was like, put this little thing on and then oh, if you wow. need air you go and it'll float you and i was yeah. like looking at what? it what <laughs> whoa uh, i think i could have used that yesterday <laughs> wow and then okay. i was like i went a light bulb went off my head so i like got my little journal out started sketching like trying to like integrate it into a wetsuit of like what that would look like and made a ton of notes and like wrote down all these ideas while i was on a flight and then when i got off the flight i like looked up on the internet trying to like find something i could immediately integrate into my wetsuit Wow. And there was nothing. I couldn't find anything. Um, and I'd done some backcountry snowboarding, and I knew about it. was very new at the time, but they have, like, that backpack that has that inflatable thing, that massive thing that takes you to the top of, like, a um, avalanche. An avalanche. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't specifically thinking about that, although the concept is nearly identical, right? Um, so, yeah. That, that, but, but that wipeout at, at Mavericks was the catalyst. Yeah. Or the catalyst for me. Yeah, mm. I feel I feel like all the flotation equipment has really just pushed the level in general of the whole sport. You know, I feel like everyone has so much more confidence now in big waves, and for sure. I mean, you even see it at like pipe, and for sure. I mean, even six foot waves for some people. You know, they're yeah. they're wearing it. So, really well, that's how that's how we are as humans, right? We feel safer. We push the risk higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we we have this we have this risk. This, this like risk level that versus safety mm. and if if we feel like there's not enough safety our risk is going to have a ceiling yeah as soon as you push that ceiling for the for the safety mm-hmm. way high you're going to push the risk way high totally you know? yeah it's really cool yeah it's crazy though it's why you've seen like a crazy like um the level getting pushed so hard mm-hmm. for but, sure but in certain waves it doesn't really even it doesn't really help that much right like i remember surfing jaws and falling on a wave and there was so much whitewash down there that i pulled and it didn't it it wasn't it wasn't doing anything i was just like this marshmallow getting tumbled and i couldn't i couldn't get like the the flotation through all the air bubbles to come up um and that was a moment where i was like oh you can't (laughs) you cannot depend on these things like you got to be prepared to do whatever it takes to survive but that was mind blowing to me. I was like, "Well, this doesn't even help if you get in the right uh, circumstance." Yeah, 
especially if you don't have enough like some of those suits not to get in the weeds with the with the these suits but the like the one i developed was monster like the the actual inflation thing was a big bubble on the back yeah humongous yeah Mm. it was a little bit on the front but mostly on the back but that was a way i could get it the biggest Mm. and my the the cartridge was way bigger than Mm. the other ones and so i just had crazy amounts of inflation so I would just like my theory was like if I'm on the surface I'm not dying. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. For sure. But even even the one you're wearing like doesn't matter like even if maybe you still maybe it doesn't bring you up right away you're not going to die as long as as soon as that sets over you're on the surface even if you're blacked out. If you're, that's how everybody has died in the past is they they don't find them. They're mm-hmm. not on the surface. Yeah. If you're on the surface you're going to live. That's my that's that's what I believe. Cuz usually what you do is when you come back you take a breath in, right? And yeah. and you inhale all that water and that's when you that's when you go down. Well, and then most of the time, you know, there's water safety in a lot of these sessions now where, you know, if you go down on a wave, people are gonna say, Oh yeah, they're gonna tell the water safety, hey, coal went down or the water safety's gonna gonna see that happening. So as soon as something dissipates, everybody's gonna be looking for somebody paddling, floating at the surface. But if there's no board and the person's underwater like you're done you're gone yeah, yeah do you feel like that whole concept's fully evolved or do you have any other ideas to make surfing even safer i mean i feel like there's limits to how safe you really want to make it because at some point you're just kidding yourself it's still super dangerous it's still super deadly um and i don't think you should make it so safe to where you, you start thinking that um there's no risk you know yeah like surfing giant scary waves is it should be scary it should be terrifying and and you know i never surfed big waves because i wanted to see how close i could get to dying that was definitely never my never part of my thought process ever but i feel like the danger the danger aspect keeps us honest you know even if we're wearing flotation i feel like it still keeps us honest like knowing that Mm -hmm. you still have to train super hard you still have to be like really mentally and physically prepared um, you know, I just, that's just how I feel about that. So when you're out the back at Jaws or just surfing in general, um, you're kind of on this hunt, right? You're strategizing where you want to be. Um, I don't know, the wave you want to get, you're visualizing everything. You're in this hyper-focused mode. Can you relate that to, to hunting animals in a way? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some parallels between big wave surfing and and I mean, I'm I'm a bow hunter, and I feel like there's a lot of things that kind of overlap. I feel like there's like some strengths that, you know, if if you have like say like, I'm very patient. From I didn't used to be when I was a kid. I was like crazy ADHD and like very very impatient. And over the years, I've learned to become very patient. Like. I'll go out the pipeline or back door and I'll sit there for two or three hours and wait for one wave. So I'm very patient waiting for the right situation, the, the right setup. My wave, like the wave at Jaws that I've been waiting for for years, I'm fine to wait for another three hours, you know, for mm-hmm. that one. That's I don't need 10. Mm-hmm. I don't want 10 18 footers. I want one 25 foot barrel, you know, that's always has been my theory with that. And so I've become really patient. And so when I found bow hunting, I loved it because, like, it kind of, um, like the patience, you, you really need a lot of patience to be a bow hunter. Like, you know, a lot of times I'll see, 
you know, I don't think, I don't know if the listeners are into hunting, but I'll see like, like I love deer hunting and I'll, and I'll see, I'll be trying to get close to deer with my bow and they'll be 500 yards away and it'll take me like an hour to get to like 300 yards away. Wow. And it'll take me another hour to get to like 150 yards away and I need to get to like 40 yards with my bow. So I'm like incrementally like closing the gap and working the wind and the terrain and the eyes of the deer and like the whole herd, like trying to like keep an eye on all, every single doe and every single buck and, and you know where they are. And it's like a, it's like a chess match between me and the herd. Um, and it's like crazy how much patience you need. And then I'll get almost to get a shot and they'll all lay down and lay down in the shade and like cruise and go to sleep. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my bow, like, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm in range, yeah. but I need one to stand up. And sometimes you're sitting there for like two or three hours, like laying down and, and trying to be still for like two or three hours <laughs> waiting for them to stand up so you can get a shot. It's crazy. So the patience thing is like super important with both. I think surfing big waves, hunting big waves down or, or, or bow hunting. So do you eat a lot of deer? Obviously. Yeah, I do. Are you on like a carnivore diet or no diet? Definitely not. Um, but I do like, uh, I killed an elk with my bow in New Mexico like three months ago. Hmm. And I'd say that in the last two months I've eaten a hundred pounds of elk. How much meat was there? Uh, probably 375 pounds. Wow. Yeah, but I brought 150 pounds home. Oh, my goodness. I split it with my buddy that I was hunting with. Um, so it's really hard to bring 375 pounds of meat <laughs> yeah. back to Hawaii. So yeah. I, we split it. I brought 150 pounds home. Um, but, yeah, I eat it twice a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what yeah. goes on right now. The elk energy. Yeah. 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 It's hard to describe to people. Yeah. yeah, but you just... I feel like when I eat wild game, especially elk and deer, you feel like you could like, I don't know. I feel like I could do anything. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's neat. I noticed a big difference when I'm like, just like feeling a little depleted. And where if I would have like a normal meal, maybe I'll get tired or just like feel a little replenished, but I'll go from like being agitated and not want to like talk to anyone or not want to brainstorm. And then I'll have... Um, like a pound of ground elk and then I'll just be like oh <laughs> like, what do you guys want to talk about let's go <laughs> and I, I don't know that was the first time I experienced that because growing up I'd eat fish and beef or whatever but um, definitely made me want to get my bow out again and like slowly work up to that action yeah. man elk are amazing creatures they really are they're so strong yeah, yeah they're so strong so hardy and Oh man, they move so fast. Really fascinating creatures too. Like during their mating season is during the bow season. So if you hunt elk, you'll see this, but it's like survival of the fittest with elk. It's insane. Like, so the female elk are called cows and the male elk are called bulls. And so like, if you're like a two-year-old bull and it's the mating season, all these, all the females start going into heat. And, but if you're a young bull, and you're trying to get some action, you have to fight. You literally have to fight for the girls. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you have, like, two or three girls with you and and another bull has, like, ten cows, so they call it a harem. So the bull will have a harem of cows during the mating season. <laughs> and his job is to service all those cows. They're all in heat. And so 
if one bull has 10 cows and another bull has like five or six cows, they'll fight. And whoever wins takes all of them. Like oh winner take all. Every last cow will leave the bull that lost the fight. Did you oh, witness this bull. on your hunt? <laughs> I witnessed it a ton of times. What? So you'll see a one bull with like 60 cows, literally. 60. Oh my the, God. Yeah. And that's kind of the one you want. Well, potentially. I mean, not necessarily. Um, you, you want any elk, honestly. They're all made of meat. They're all yeah. good eating. Yeah. That's my theory. I'm not going to mm-hmm. like, like, that's not, that one's not, doesn't, antlers aren't big enough or it's not old enough or whatever. In a perfect world, yeah, you would probably kill one that's done mating because he's already done with his, with his genetics and, you know, he's over the hump and he's, so that bull that has 60 cows, like two years later, he'll have no cows. Because he's trying to get action, and he just gets his ass kicked. Wow! They get they get over the over the hill, mm. and they can't fight good anymore. And the young bucks come up, and they they That's beat them crazy. up. That's crazy. Just like pipeline. It's just like exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You get pushed out. Yeah. yeah. You get the crazy. good waves. You get all the girls. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I was but talking- at the start, you can't get anything. No. Yeah. It's like the little kids fight for when it. they're coming up at pipeline. They're yeah. trying to get one. They're trying to get one. They squeak one every now and then, but then. Like when a really good one, there's the boys. They they take them all. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. Like getting cut off. But the boys shooting. turn into the older dudes, and those all those little pipsqueaks who never used to get the good ones, they just like fill those spots mm. I, I over like, and over. It's really cool. I like what you said about having the mindset of like, there's this wave you've been waiting for for like 12 years, and you're mm. still waiting for that wave. And yeah. I I feel like that is so true out of pipeline, and that's. That's probably why, I mean, among a lot of things, but why the pecking order works the way it is. Because if I'm out there, I don't care if I just paddled out. If there's, like, people that are below me on the pecking order and that wave that I've been waiting for is coming in, I'm going. Because I've put in the time and I've been waiting for that one wave. Like, I feel like I still haven't got that wave yet. And it's still coming in. It's like There's a controversial uh, uh, point, don't you think? I think a lot of people would push back on that. Like, what are we talking about? You don't have the right to think that you've been waiting 12 years so you can paddle out here and take the next wave. Yeah. <laughs> so it's but so interesting. It makes sense. It really does. When you really think about it, it does, it does make a lot of sense. And it's true. Like, have you ever thought about, like, how old are you, Koa? 27. So have you, have you ever thought, have I caught the best wave of my life yet? Mm, I have been thinking about that, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, in all like being realistic, I've probably caught the best wave I've ever gonna I'm ever gonna catch. Mm. Like the most insane, impressive, memorable ride of my life. Probably has already been caught. Yeah. Mm. For you, it probably hasn't. It's pretty cool. Pretty it's cool. Good. Have you ever yeah. thought about like what that looks like? Like what is the best wave of, of your life for you? I think about it at pipeline for sure. Like what um, does that wave of pipeline look like? I think it's that like um I think it's that have you seen that wave that uh, Sean Briley got? Um, he, it was like, it's like a, it's a second reef featherer that's not quite going to break. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you think you're too deep, you think you're too far in, but you just decide to go anyways. And pipeline is so interesting how it like, it just holds up so much longer than any other wave. So you, you have like more of a chance than you think. And so it, it's that West Bowler. That feathering second reef, backdoor it, late drop, you think you're not going to make it, and then it just connects into that more of a north bowl kind of line, and then a little sandbar bonus 
with a spit. <laughs> I remember the way you're talking about Sean Briley. That was so crazy. Yeah, I have the that one was... saved. I'm like, that's the one. Like just yeah. looking at where he whipped it on that thing, yeah. like it, it 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 didn't make sense to me for a long time. Um, but also backdoor, I feel like there's a backdoor wave that that I definitely need. Those ones that connect to the off the wall section. Oof. I'm always secretly looking for that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that like Pipeline's one of those places that you're not going to catch that wave by sitting here eating a acai bowl or eating, having your coffee. So like whenever it's good and you're looking in and you're tired and you just got worked and you just broke your board, it's like, God, I got to go back out there because there's that wave I really want to get and I'm not going to get it unless I'm out there. Yeah. You know, you, gotta, you just got to keep putting your time grinding it out. Throw anchor. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been I've been tripping out a little bit because I get like I get concussions pretty easily now, and I don't know if I'm just like because I've had two big concussions that and it it kind of just activates that easier, but like I'll be on a four foot wave and smack my head on the water, and then I'll have to like sit out for a couple uh, a couple weeks. Yeah. Um. But so now I'm I'm almost have had those thoughts of like, is the has my wave of my life came. And I, I would like to think that I'm still young and I'm I'm just maturing and getting stronger and that I can come back and be stronger than I've ever been for sure. Um, but that's just it. That's such an interesting thought. I just love it so much to think yeah. to have to step away from it. I mean, don't you think Trippy. it was Skeleton Bay? I mean, 26 seconds. How long was your barrel? 20. Yeah, 26 seconds. I think. I think. Skeleton Bay for sure um, is gonna be like that long, like intense ride. But there wasn't much fear; it was all enjoyment, you know. I think getting a wave at getting a twelve footer at Chopes, or getting barreled at Jaws, or mm-hmm. getting a, a crazy ten, twelve footer backdoor pipe wave, like that fear factor just brings it up that level of intensity. Where mm. Skeleton Bay felt like I was just in a video game, and yes, it was the most beautiful, sickest thing ever. Um, but I do feel like, like I, we surfed that wave in Panama, uh, Silverbacks, and it's just like this unruly wedge. And mm. like even to just take off on a wave and get a barrel, like the excitement levels that you you did it is like so fear, intense. Fear cannot be replaced. The fear component of a of an epic ride it cannot be un, it can't be overstated and it can't be replaced. Mm. I feel like the disbelief aspect of like. Uh, skeleton bay of your barrel like the the continuous bis- the, the continuous disbelief as you're riding the wave like mm. there's no way I just made that section there's no mm. way I'm still riding there's no way I'm still 20 feet deep in this barrel like mm. I watched your barrel over and over and like there's so much dis- so many disbelief moments where you're like I cannot believe this is still happening mm-hmm. I cannot believe this is real like I can I could feel your thought process of like I cannot believe this I cannot believe this as you're pumping and as high as that disbelief factor is on a wave the fear factor is higher i think Mm, it can't yeah you can't they're both super intense but i feel like the fear is like it's really the it's one of the things that make it unforgettable Mm -hmm. you know yeah the concussion thing is interesting though i can definitely relate to that um that's another reason that i really felt good about stopping surfing really giant waves because i was getting I had um, multiple concussions in a, in a kind of a relatively short time frame. And I had this very similar um, experience as you where, like, 
I felt like they started happening much easier. Mm. I felt like I, my head became fragile. Mm-hmm. And it pissed me off, like, big time. I really, really, really hated it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Really annoying. Yeah, the little um, at-home wave neuro device is pretty clutch, though, that you've been letting me use. Yeah. Been hitting that thing twice a day. It's like a little, for the viewers, it's like a little magnet um, machine that goes on your head and just stimulates your brain waves. Kind of, but it kind of like wakes up brain waves that it potentially aren't uh, firing yeah. from hitting your head. And um, I feel like it's doing some good things. Yeah. For, for those tuning in, it's, a, it's called a sonal. Um, and it's, I think it's from Wave Neuroscience, is a company. Uh, but it's called a Sonal, and it's a in. I, Cole and I have both been using this. It's an it's an in home brain treatment um, device, but I've had really good results with it too. I, I like it. Yeah, kind of like stimulates your brain function, and if you if you have like parts of your brain that aren't functioning properly, it can really help get a lot of energy to those areas. I think for sure, bring us back to a hundred percent, so yeah. we can still. Search for the waves of our lives. <laughs> yeah, you kind of hit your head a lot surfing. It's pretty... Yeah. Like, even hitting the water is an impact, so just got to be careful. Yeah. I don't know how much helmets actually do, but I'm sure they help a little bit. Yeah, I got this new... Um, it's called Soft Surf Helmets. It's like kind of like the, what the rugby players use. Mm-hmm. I put it on. It felt very minimal. I was like, about this thing... I don't know what this thing's going to do for me, but I guess it's the theory is that the softness helps with hitting your head on the surface of the water and it actually cushions the blow. I imagine if you that makes were, sense. I imagine if you were to hit your head on the reef or something like that, you'd still get pretty banged up, but it felt nice. So for now, and then there's also this thing called a cue collar. Was I talking to you about that? Yeah, th- those things are cool. Those things are interesting. Yeah. So I got a whole get up now. <laughs> I look like a crazy cool. person when I'm battling out. <laughs> is it something that you're like, kind of like beta testing for yourself? Like, is this is this my program now? Or yeah. are you like a believer? Uh, I'm just testing. I'm just like always testing. Like yeah. I served a battle out to Ayukai the other day and it was like two feet and I had my, my cue collar on that's supposed to have more blood in your brain to pr- um, um, make it so it doesn't, you can't get a concussion as easily and then had the soft helmet on and i was like man if this is what i have to do to just continue to surf for a long time then i'm down yeah I'm down plus you just look like you got more swag with all the gear on <laughs> <laughs> That's why so some people might say that so funny. <laughs> other people probably think i look like an old crazy person but that's i'm down or just look kind of crazy period <laughs> <laughs> like what's this guy gonna do you pass me one of those yeah, shots. Do you, yeah, yeah, do you want a smoothie too? We we have some different smoothies. Or... I want one of those we'll shots. Do some shots, boys. Yeah, shout out to shot. Shout out to the shack. Yes. This it looks like spicy. It looks yeah. like all the spice has settled down to the bottom. So mm-hmm. maybe give it a little. Give it a whirl. Give it a little whirl. I like the cayenne ones. Mm-hmm. Little shot break. Hmm. So I was interested in what your friendship was like with Andy Irons. Because we grew up on Kawhi, and he was like our superhero. Yeah. And we were younger. We didn't really, we didn't really have, I don't know, we were at an age gap where we didn't really have like a close friendship, but he was just like our absolute superhero. And I just wondered what, what it would be like, I don't know, I wish he was still around to, to make that friendship, but like what was it like to have a close friendship with Andy? I mean, it was, 
it was like equal parts um, fun and exciting and super frustrating. Um, he was like that friend that was like so there was so much to him. You know those friendships you have with people that are like real. Oh, I've been friends with this guy for thirty years, but it's or twenty years or ten years, but it's you really don't get to know them that good. It's like the surface type of situation where you never really have a real conversation or there's no real like super crazy connection. You got a lot of those friends, right? But Andy was like, I feel like he was the opposite of that. Like anyone who knew him, like knew him, knew, like you really like saw every part of him pretty consistently. And it was, he was unique, I think in that way, but you just loved him because he was so much fun and he was so honest. He just, he was honest to a fault. Like, if he didn't like somebody, he would just straight tell him. Mm. And I'm sure he was mean to you guys. He was mean to, like, especially, like, kids coming up, especially around where you guys live. I know he was a dick to you guys when you guys were, like, really little. Like, he just wanted to, like, test people and, like, mm-hmm. test the Groms yeah. all the time. And, like, I, I feel like um, you guys are now all the age where he would, like, really, like, be a totally different Andy than you guys knew. Mm. He'd be like, hey, you guys are, like, old enough now. I can be totally cool to you guys now. There's no <laughs> weird trip anymore. Yeah. But he... um I don't know. I just really loved Andy, man. I really miss the guy a ton. Just his honesty and his just could not not be himself. He couldn't act like <laughs> he couldn't act like he wasn't him ever. You know <laughs> what I mean? Great. He couldn't fake it. It was impossible. So, yeah, I, I miss him. But he was a frustrating friend because he would um, he'd have a pattern of throwing a wrench in his life when it was going too good. Mm. And for someone like me, who's I just don't, I don't have that exact same um, personality trait, I guess it would be. And for a lot of, for most people who don't have that, they would, they would, that would really frustrate them as a friend, you know, just like, what? Like, you're really making this, this choice right now? Like, it was so obvious that, that it was a terrible choice and he couldn't see it. And it was like, so for a lot of his friends and family, it was, he was a lot, he was a handful, you know, but mm. yeah. I really miss the guy. So when you had a heat with him, did your friendship go out the window? Was it like crazy or was he still like normal Andy? Uh, he was really hyper competitive for sure. And he always wanted to beat me super bad. I was a little bit of a big brother to him. And I, we, we always really, really respected each other. And really like, I really loved Andy and we had a great relationship, but we had some crazy epic battles. We had a couple of good heats, really good ones out of pipe couple of really good ones at a back door had a really good heat in brazil and like two foot lefts where we were like paddle battling each other and like pushing each other's noses underwater and like <laughs> yeah. talking shit that's and funny yeah it was pretty classic we were really competitive with each other but i was always such a fan of his you know just his surfing style and his approach and his like creativity and his he was so instinctive as a surfer his choices were like very unorthodox and um unusual you just couldn't put the guy in a box and like you just you really never knew what he was about to do as truly um unique i think like there's very few surfers where you're just like you know like you like you like you hit the pause button on the bottom turn and it's like anybody's guess what he's about to do mm. you know you're like he's picking a line where he could do like 20 different things and you just never know what he's about to do it's really like a his surfing was like such a breath of fresh air i feel like you know was there a free surf session that stuck out with him to you? We had a free surf session at, at eight foot 
cloud break once. We were there. It was like right when he signed with Billabong. I, mm. I like really was, I was really on Billabong to sign Andy. I was like, you really got to get Andy. It was like he, he was on tour for one year. When he was on tour, he was the easiest draw on the tour his first year. You mm. believe that? Like when people would get Andy, they would be like, oh, thank God. Wow. I got Andy. Like was, he was almost a walkthrough. Oh, my God. No wow. joke. Because he was a shit show. He was kind of drunk the whole year. He was like a basket case. He was like having like, you know, issues like in all different ways, psychological and like girl problems. And like he was, his life was a shit show. And then he took, a, he didn't qualify. He took a year off and he came back like a world champion. Hmm. It was crazy. But during that year off, he's really started getting his shit together. Um, he's figured all these things out in his life and like girl problems vanished. He had a good girl in his life and things were just clicking at great. He switched boards and like started, got super fit, mentally fit. And I told Bill about, I'm like, you need to get this guy. He's going to be an absolute weapon straight up. Damn. He's going to go on a tangent, a crazy tear. And um, they were able to get him. And right when they signed him, they sent us to Tavarua. And we had this epic swell together and we surfed cloud break like eight foot, just the, the two of us and a couple other people out and, just trading no grab pumping oh no grab gosh. barrels it was mm. so sick and he wow. was just putting on a clinic and um doing those crazy we got really nerdy about the snowboard going as fast as you could just blowing past sections and going as high as you possibly could oh. and then seeing how many seconds you could just get your your oh. your, your turn to last from the very top basically we wanted to try to waste the whole wave and just do one turn that was like the goal just go a billion go infinity miles an hour and then burn it all on one huge snowboard turn and i i we had a couple super fun memorable like unforgettable sessions like that where it was like just creative energy and um laughter and and like like little kids Mm -hmm. super fun what movie was that session in one of the sessions was um in a film that um, I did called The Blueprint. Uh, that yeah. was one of our favorite movies going yeah. on. He say. has a crazy barrel in there from one of those sessions. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he was a lot of fun to surf with, for sure. Yeah, we had a couple of really special sessions with him on Kauai. Um, and he would just like, I don't know, as a, as a Grom, seeing what, what he would do on the wave... He would just, like you said, blow past the barrel section or floater the barrel section where everyone else is, like, in survival mode. Um, I think growing up, being able to, like, see the way him and Bruce and other guys surfed was just, like, was so cool. So cool. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that brand of surfing is, like, I feel, I feel like it's a, from a different time. Mm. Like they're there, especially those two and especially not, not all, you know, there, there was a lot of conditions where that didn't shine through, like say like in grovelly conditions, like neither one of them like had like crazy magic. Mm-hmm. And then like in giant waves, you didn't really see it as much either. Although they were both like amazing, but like in that, that, that like six to eight foot cloud break or mm. like, you know, anything that was like in that really high performance range to like start getting scary range, they would just like their creativity when they would have like a canvas and heavy waves, like those big old rock and roll floaters and like yeah. jumping down from the lip, like onto their bottom turn rail into like big old blow tails. And like, I remember being with Andy in, in um, 
surfing that wave the whole in the mental wise in the very south oh yeah and he was in the lead for the world title and there was like three events left or something and he was in the lead fully in the lead like going for the world title and he was surfing we were, we were filming for a taylor Steele film the film at the time and he was he was so hell-bent on getting the best section in the movie even though he was like going for a world title and we were surfing like low tide this left in indo was like bone dry on the inside super hollow dry reef and he was just blowing the tail out never kicking out like going for like the gnarliest finish blow tails like mm. crazy whole board out of the water blow tails nose picks and stuff like really really high risk it's um, like campaign one or campaign two yeah it was like campaign i remember those one. backside yeah. turns i can't believe that yeah. was at the hole we've mm -hmm. we surfed yeah. the hole and that's such a yeah. sick wave but yeah i can't imagine doing turns like that of course andy would do that we were just trying to get barreled the whole time. Yeah, he would just, the way wasn't even a barrel to him. It was just a straight, <laughs> straight blow tail skate park. Wow. Yeah. So I feel fun. like Ethan Ewing kind of surfs like Andy a little bit. I mean, like a lot. Like, what do you think about Ethan surfing and his potential? Could he be a world champion? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I do see like a vibe of Andy, mostly in like, in between, I don't think his turns look anything like Andy's. I don't think Andy's surfing and Ethan's surfing are similar in any way besides some body language okay. mm. in between turns, especially like the way he hunches his shoulders before doing a frontside bottom turn. Mm. You see a lot of Andy in there, but like the tur the turns and the rail game is, is really Ethan. Like I feel like he really has a unique spin on rail game and like his like utilization of power and the way he torques his hips and like, He's really unique. Um, but yeah, it, the cool thing about Ethan is like, he's similar to Andy in a way where like his first year on tour, he was pretty ineffective. He really like kind of came up against a wall of where he, he, you know, all these people were like, this guy rips. And then he would just get smashed. Like he's, something was missing. Yeah, he was young too. Yeah, he was young um, and something was missing. And he didn't qualify. He didn't requalify, and and then he took a year or two off and came back a totally different surfer. Same thing as Andy, and just came back. And I, it's like the criteria came to him now. Yeah. It's like when he first started. It's like he had such. A, he was struggling to like find his surfing to be like the criteria, and it's like his surfing didn't even really change. It just evolved. But the criteria is now like I, I like I, I actually coach Ethan. And I told him when we were at Sunset last year, right before, right before his heat started against Felipe, it was like a really big heat for Ethan. And I said, it was like 20 seconds before he paddled away from me. And I said, dude, just remember, you are the criteria. I said, you're the criteria. All those judges up there, they know you're the criteria. Felipe Toledo right there in the red, he knows that you're the criteria. <laughs> he knows that he is not the criteria out here at Sunset. Good advice. Mm. I said, dude, you got to believe that you are the criteria. Because if you don't, you're the only person who doesn't believe it. Mm. And it was so cool. Like, I could see him like, all right. Yeah. And he just, like, was charged. And he, like, he is the criteria at Sunset. You know what I mean? Like, his surfing is perfect for, for a heat. Like, mm -hmm. he, 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 his, when he's surfing his best at, on a wave at Sunset, it's a 10. Period. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that simple. A lot of people can surf their best out at sunset, and it's not a ten. It's such a easy wave to like get exposed. It's such such easy wave to like. I don't know. It's a really difficult it's wave to surf, wave. but Ethan's so 
I'm such a fan of his surfing and Felipe Toledo. I didn't mean anything bad about it. I was just trying to get mm. Ethan psyched because I was, I was coaching Ethan, but I really feel like the criteria has come to him, mm-hmm. like evolved That's in true. a way where it's like his surfing, it really fits, fits the judging criteria now. And it's really cool because for the first time in a very long time, a fundamental rail game surfer is like a lot of kids' favorite surfer. Mm. I feel like it's been like a decade Mm -hmm. since there's like every kid loved like air guys, you know, for so long. You know, I feel like like my kid and then his friends, they all try to surf like Ethan Ewing. (laughs) That's cool. Are you pretty hands on with Jackson surfing with the like coaching him? No, Um, for two reasons. I just want to be his dad, to be honest, and then he also doesn't want to listen to me. <laughs> That's the biggest one. If he really listened, then I'd probably <laughs> tell him things, but he doesn't. he's just like every other kid. He doesn't want to hear it from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, having said that, he, he knows that I've been around surfing for a long time and that I do know what I'm talking about, um, at least a little bit. And so it's funny because he, he won't listen to me at all and doesn't want me to, like, say a word to him, like, when he's at a contest. And then he'll see me, like, coaching Italo Ferreira and Ethan Ewing. <laughs> but he doesn't <laughs> want to hear it from me. Like, he'd rather go talk to somebody else before his heat. <clears throat> Do you think the wave pool is really helping him progress his surfing? Yeah. I think the wave pools are definitely helping a lot of these young kids kind of sharpen the tools. Like, as, as if you're trying to learn something specific or trying to like deepen your bag of tricks or like sharpen up your air game or like fundamental game, like very difficult to beat something that's very repetitive and, and, um, and, and, and very, um, uh, predictable, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a, a half pipe in the snow or a skate, a skate ramp. Like you can just hit the thing over and over and over. It never changes. And although it, I, there's some really good things about wave pools, but the bad thing about wave pulls is it's super predictable and it's over and over and over. It's the same thing. So it, it also develops weaknesses. So mm. there's definitely, I don't think there's ever going to be a kid who grows up in a wave pool. that's going to go transition quickly to the ocean. Mm-hmm. But is it like an assistant? I think it's, um, I think it's a really good thing for kids to, to uh, for sure. Like with my kid, he learned, he's every time he, he's gone there, especially when he was little, he saw this crazy like jump mm-hmm. in his surfing ability and like things that he was like thinking about trying and all of a sudden he felt good about trying him over and over and over in the wave pool. So, so you're not in the corner like screaming screaming out of what air to do. Like that he's <laughs> he's coming up with that shit on his own. Like that's crazy the airs he's doing, especially at his young age. Zero to do with me. <laughs> zero. How's the new wave pool that has two air sections? I know. Have you been seeing that? Some thing? of those some of that footage that, that guys are putting out. That, that, that stuff of Yago Dora was so damn cool. Yeah. And then um, Italo put out some clips from there the last couple of days and looked insane. When, when are we going to just get like a little chip shot into like a 10-foot just oh. glassy <laughs> barrel? Like, like come a, on. <laughs> someone needs to do this for us. It's a skeleton made show bone. It's yeah. 100% <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. 100%. Once they figure out the power efficiency, mm, and they yeah. will, yeah. for sure. It's, it's going to be nuts. When they figure out, like, <clears throat> it making economical sense to, to use a ton of power, Yeah. Um, 
which is just like you know like bullet trains and stuff that they use like magnets and stuff mm. to pull things along oh my gosh it, like that that efficiency that power efficiency when they when they apply that to like developing waves and and creating energy for waves it's going to be looney tunes yeah that's because then there won't be any like there won't be like a limit mm. there won't be a lim a, a real limit to what's possible size wise you know That'd be crazy. New magnets. Long, <laughs> new longevity goal. Mind blown. I know. <laughs> Stick around. Well, you've for seen that, that right? Yeah. You've seen like the like the bullet trains. It's all like magnets, mm -hmm. like pulling that stuff along. It's yeah. not even. It's not like a locomotive that's like burning coal or mm -hmm. or any kind of like electricity really pulling something along or pushing something along. It's literally like magnetic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But what do you see like the future of surfing competition? Like, do you feel like? It's going to slowly transition more to, like, man-made waves, or do you think you'll stay in the ocean? I don't think the ocean will ever be replaced. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think people get really... I know that people get really bored watching wave pool events. I think it's... I mean, I don't know if anyone cares what I think, but it's probably pretty similar to everyone else, where I see, I see the value of wave pool events because they level the playing field and it's like apples versus apples. Mm -hmm. So from a competitor standpoint, it's good because you know, you're going to get your chance, which is like in surfing is how many heats have you, have you had where you're like, okay, all I need is like a three. Yeah. And I got priority and there's seven minutes left. Mm -hmm. This That's is easy. Annoying as hell. And next thing you know, it just goes flat. I know. And it has nothing to do with you. It's just pure luck. Totally. Yeah. In a wave pool, you're going to get your chance. Yeah. Period. It's mm -hmm. like you're surfing versus someone else's surfing. So it's really based on your, ability to surf that wave better than your competitor which is super cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and somehow it's super boring <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i know like from a from really a fan's repetitive. perspective yeah, yeah. so yeah. you know i can i can definitely like um appreciate how amazing like someone like felipe surfs at the surf ranch that's really incredible and like amazing like i'll slow his surfing down and just watch it like just precision perfection and mm -hmm. timing and but yeah i think from a fan's fan standpoint i think i speak for a lot of people that watch those events and it's like wow i really love the ocean watching yeah, guys surf the ocean for sure it's, it's such a different mind, mindset being out there like i, I experienced this um with the ultimate surfer being out there mm. i was like wait i i know i'm getting a wave and now i can choreograph like what i think is the biggest score i can get um and then there's just that countdown and the nerves, but then you just apply it. Where if you're in a heat and you like have 30 seconds left or even 10 minutes left, you're in such an interesting mind state. Like you, you know what you need to do, but you're in this like open flowing state, looking at these different waves, sizing them up, what score you can get on them. Um, what to like, like if it's a closeout, you got to pull out the big trick. And if it's a perfect wave, you just have to surf to that score. Um, I feel like the ocean, just that intuitive factor is such a big play of it, you know? Yeah. And it's something that so many people like, you know, don't have. Like, there's such a, like, uh, there's, there's certain, I think there's, I feel like there's certain people that are able to put it all together consistently. Like even like a Billy Kemper, like he's so amazing. Um, not that people want to hear about like competition, breakdowns or anything on your podcast but um yeah i'm always fascinated by people who are like consistently put a game plan together like mm. heat structure wise and like mm. timing and you know not let too much time go and yet be patient it's like really difficult you know i'm just gonna knock on the door I'm getting a little package yeah, <laughs> package really good <laughs> <laughs> <Bizarre> <laughs> surprise yeah. 
We got surfers. Like, even for like <laughs> like uh, competitive surfing and Mother Nature, it's trippy to have like a waiting period, and you're like, oh, I'm just we're just hoping for the best, you know. Like even for the pipe masters now, yeah. we're like we're running out of time here, and I think there's a little swell coming, but I feel like if there's maybe like a different structure where like it was like months out at like the prime time of the year and then they could run it on the best swell or I don't know. Like, cause imagine like that Chopo event or, you know, where it'd be one of the best swells of the year. I feel like it'd be so amazing to watch, you know, it'd be interesting, but yeah. Just from like a, you know, the, from the events, events side of thing is difficult probably for them so like, hard, logistically yeah. to plan yeah. all that but yeah i agree it's the hardest sport to plan an event and around i yeah, think everybody wants to i think we all remember the classic moments of like you know like gabriel versus kelly yeah and or gabriel versus john at at chopo and it's like mm. 10 feet and glassy like mm. everybody wants to see the best the very best surfers in the very best conditions you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah yeah mm-hmm. Nice, Shane. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Yeah, man. It's fun. It's like to jump on Jackson's vlog here. Yeah, that'd be fun for you guys to do a video together. 100%. How's how's that been going, running? Now you're just like a a full YouTube dad. Oh, dude, that's so weird. (laughs) Things are changing. It's very strange. Parenting just in general is just weird. Everything's weird about it. Raising children is a strange challenge in so many different ways. But yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my kid started a YouTube channel that it's cool. It's like, it's, I feel like there's more important than, is it going to be successful or are people even going to watch it? Just the, the, le- that's what I told him. I'm like, dude, like worst thing that can happen is you learn a ton. Mm-hmm. Like the lessons that you learn, like you have to be disciplined. You have to be consistent. You have to work hard. Like you got to work with your filmer and like text people and like, you know, connect. Like I was, I was like, dude, you got to like text call. Like, like meet up for a session, go surfing together. Like do you, like it takes work. It's, it's a like, business. So Running like, a little like, business. Yeah. So for yeah. kids, like there's a lot of great lessons in having a YouTube channel. So yeah. yeah. Like dude, work at it. Like learn those lessons, and there's there's like zero downside. Mm-hmm. And like it, he's kind of a shy kid, and he's not like a performer or like a natural like a. He's not one of those like kids who's like here I am doing this and like selfie cameras. It's not, not natural for him. Yeah. So he has to like get out of his comfort zone and kind of like put himself out there. So that I feel like there's, that's a lot. I think that's cool. Like trying to like put yourself out there. Like mm-hmm. um, sometimes you feel like a total kook and sometimes you end up looking like a kook and there's a lot of good lessons in that as well. So yeah, totally. Yeah. I encourage him to like, and be creative, you know, mm-hmm. and, and pour your heart into something that you love to do and be proud of what you're putting out there. Like, cool like I, I helped him kind of find someone to film and edit some of his videos and um like dude i want i want you to like this is your channel these are your videos i want i can help start you in the right direction and help maybe give you some advice but i really want this to be like your thing like totally. the videos that you're stoked on like that like you look back and be like that like i I totally made a mistake there or I, I love that video. I love the, this, this direction we're going in. I really want to work with this person or yeah, whatever it is. So it it can be a lot of fun. And as, as professional surfers now, like that's like kind of the name of the game too. You got to be your own like media. You got to push yourself. It's really interesting. But with YouTube, I feel like, especially if you start at a young age, people just love it. They get to know you. Even if you only get a hundred views or a thousand views, like that many more people get to know you and they kind of, start to feel like 
they they have like a bond to you or like a friendship. Um, super powerful. And it's so cool. Like, it's like the playing field's way more level than it ever has been ever. Like, it it doesn't matter if you're like a spoiled kid from Newport Beach, and your parents are billionaires, or if you're a kid from like Sumatra mm. who knows nobody, but your friend has like a little video camera. Yeah. If you rip. Yeah. People are going to find out about it. It's super neat. So, yeah. like, the power has never been so much in, like, the people's hands. Like, it's a really neat thing. So, I feel like it's really it's really cool. Like, I've, there's so many kids that get so much exposure now from, doesn't matter where you're from or your background or what you look like, what your skin's like, what, if you're a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, if you rip and you're pouring your heart into surfing or whatever else you're into, like, it's so easy to, to I don't know, just do cool stuff. Yeah, we're, we're living in a crazy age. It's crazy yeah. to think like, like I mean, some of Koa's videos is like 10,000 views and he's like maybe disappointed, like, oh, it should have had more. But it's like, imagine 10,000 people on this beach right here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a ton of people. It's wild. Like the internet's just so powerful. It's amazing. But Yeah, it's weird, man. The yeah. whole YouTube thing's a trip. <laughs> yeah. So what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? Is there any big projects in the future that you're looking forward to um not really not like super specifically but i'm really happy where i am i know it sounds pretty boring sounds nice but it's great <laughs> i honestly i'm really really grateful um it's pretty boring for listeners but yeah i'm kind of living the life that i always were, was hoping to live um living on the North Shore of Oahu with uh, my kid, my wife, and my daughter. We're, we're just here. Actually, my daughter's still here hanging out with me. And um, after this, I'm going to go take her swimming and jump in the sauna and go for a little surf. And yeah. I don't know. Life is good. I mean, um, just enjoying traveling again. Now that I have a kid who loves to surf, um, gives me a whole new reason to travel. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to all the places that I love to go so I can, like, share that with my kids and awesome um, yeah so life is good not nothing real specific but really enjoying it awesome man it's Sounds the dream peaceful. i want to get there one day <laughs> you will get there set the goals yeah. <laughs> set your intentions intentions get cosmic <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. cosmic <laughs> thank you shane yeah, yeah thank, thank you shane. so much yeah thank you guys